separate your steadfast love who can escape your faithfulness an endless sea and so full of grace and the past no more. Of the goodness of God. 
Search the world, but he couldn't feel me. Man's empty praise and treasures of faith are never enough. And then you came along and you put me back together. Desire is now satisfied here in your love. Oh, 
your breath 
Sing this to him. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing.
Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in, oh, his love for me, oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free, oh, is free. Sin and darkness. 
Well, good morning, church. How are we doing today? We doing well? Good. Yeah, there we go. I see you. Let's have you stand if you would. We're going to worship together today. we got a lot of neat things happening. Some baptisms. Sing with me if you would. I can count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the
guys sound great this morning. Is how great thou art, and how great thou art. Then sings my soul, thy Savior God to me. We serve a great God. Amen. Yeah. He's worthy of all of our praise today. Yes. You can take your seats. Pastor Pete's coming out. that you came and were part of our service this morning. So in the seat back in front of you, there's a little information card or a visitor card. If you could just take a moment and fill out some information, we would love to follow up with you this week, answer any questions you may have, and tell you more about what kind of ministry we have coming up here in the next few weeks. You can drop that off in any of the offering boxes on your way out. Well, I've got just a few announcements for our church family this morning. And the first is this, next Sunday here at the church in the afternoon, 4 o'clock, up in the north parking lot, out into the field, we are going to be having an all-church barbecue. It's been a while since we've come together, all the different services and all the different people, and we are hoping to have a great turnout next week. It is absolutely free. We're providing all the food. We just ask you to bring your own chair and a great attitude to come outside and have some fun with us as a church family. Um, our staff's going to be there. We're going to have some games for the kids. Uh, we're going to be able to kind of continue to just worship and celebrate together. And so 4 o'clock next week, no RSVP needed. We just want you to come and join us. Next Sunday is also the kickoff of what we call Group Connect here at Salem Heights Church. It's the opportunity for you to get connected with other people and start coming around God's Word and growing in your faith. And so uh, this is a pretty big uh, opportunity for us as we get to hear about discipleship groups and small groups. And so that's going to kick off next week and it's going to go for several weeks with you having opportunities to gather with other people and go into the world. And so we are really excited about that. Hopefully you will be here. Two more things. For any parents in the room, we know that school is just around the corner, and uh, it is a, a, a big year as uh, our kids hopefully are going to get to go back to school and be able to do that in person. And so there's been a lot of questions uh, coming to us as staff and as pastors, and, and we just want to be able to come alongside our church family and kind of refocus us as we head into the school year. So on Thursday night, September 2nd, here in this room, starting at 630 we are having one of our No Longer Afraid meetings, and this was just navigating education. It's for parents, K through 12. 
Uh, it's not a night where we're going to kind of tell you what you should be doing, but we're going to remember what God has called you to do as a parent and how you can navigate culture no matter where your kids go to school, how you can effectively lead them to follow Christ. It's going to be a great night. We have some great information to share with you. We just want to be able to encourage you to say, we see the need, we see the concern, and this is how God has built the church to come alongside you in this time. So if you're a parent and you have any concerns and you just want to kind of hear how your church family can support you, I would love to see you here on September 2nd. Last announcement, and this is really, really fun. Usually each year, the Sunday after Labor Day, the second Sunday of September, is our kickoff Sunday. It's when everything gets launched. But we obviously know it's been a different kind of past 16, 17 months. And so we are taking the entire month of September to kick off and celebrate ministry coming back. And so we're going to have special guests, musicians. We're going to have uh, a special series called The Satisfied Life. It's going to be every week there's going to be something special for you. So I know we're kind of getting our last vacation out here in August, but I want to encourage you, don't miss a Sunday in September. It's going to be incredible. Well, we're super glad that you're here this morning. We're going to get back to worship, and in just a little bit, we're going to see several people get baptized. It's going to be an exciting morning. We're glad that you're here. Yeah, thank you, Pastor Pete. Um, in just a minute, we're going, to, uh, we're going to introduce a new song to you. Alexa's going to introduce it uh, to us. But I wanted to give us a little background on, on why I think it's important that, that we do songs like these, because they're great reminders of how we ought to act in, in everyday life, right? But especially right now. Uh, I want to read to you out of uh, 2 Samuel 22. This is where David says this. He says, David spoke words of this song to the Lord on the day that the Lord rescued him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And so uh, obviously anybody who's, you know, has read through David's life knows, uh, you know, the story of Saul and Saul was king at the time, but he refused to lift his hand against what he would say is God's anointed one. He said, I'm going to let the Lord take care of that. But he was on, on the run much of his uh, early youth, uh, trying not to, uh, uh, trying to avoid Saul. And he says this, he says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my mountain where I seek refuge. He's my shield, the horn of my salvation. He's my stronghold and my refuge. He's my savior, and you save me from violence. He said, I called to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and I was saved from my enemies. From the waves of death, they engulfed me, and the torrents of destruction, they terrified me. So evidently, David could be afraid at times as well, right? The ropes of Sheol entangled me, and the snares of death confronted me. This is what he did. He said, I called to the Lord in my distress, and I called to my God. And from his temple, he heard my voice and my cry for help reached his ears. So we serve a God who hears us, who knows us, and who will go to battle for us and take care of us. And you'll notice that David did not take matters into his own hand and vindicate himself um, on, on account of Saul. He could have done it, right? And he had opportunity to do it. But he chose not to. He chose to let the Lord handle that. And I think what a great example that is today, right? As Americans, we can say, oh, it's my right to have this. It's my right to have that. But guess what? God is the one who vindicates. Let's let the Lord handle some of these issues that we're dealing with even today. So that's what this next song is about. Hopefully you'll join it.
take your seats if you'd like to. Let's remember now what we've come from. Let's sing this together. And how great the chasm that lay between us and how high the mountain I could not climb in desperation I turned to heaven spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness saw through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written oh Jesus Christ my living hope. And who could imagine so great a mercy? What I could fathom such boundless grace. The God of ages has
this point we get to some, see some people be baptized. Pastor Pete. victoriously over sin and death and now offers us the gift of salvation and so Christ gave his church a commission he said go before and, and make disciples in all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father Son and Holy Spirit uh, baptism is a symbolic representation of something that has taken place in the life of a believer uh, the water here this morning is a symbolic uh, agent. It, it represents the cleansing that's taken place because of faith. There's nothing special about this water. And there's nothing special in baptism as far as being part of your salvation experience. Those who are going to get baptized this morning have already been saved. They're already part of God's family. Yeah. But one of the reasons we are called to be baptized is because it is a public declaration of that decision. And it's, it's meant to be done in front of other people so they can, number one, celebrate if they're part of the family of God. But perhaps this morning you have not started a relationship with Christ. And maybe God wants to use this testimony to get you to consider following Jesus. And so this morning we're going to have several people come out and, and be baptized. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about their stories on their way out. And as they are baptized and they come out of the water, you are free to cheer and celebrate the fact that they have decided to follow Jesus. I'm going to invite Pastor Matt out. He's going to baptize uh, the first few individuals this morning. And our, and our first person is Don Dennis. This is totally okay. Everybody on this side can join in uh, the celebration. Dawn says that uh, starting at the age of 12, she fell victim to a life of drugs and lost many things, leading to her homelessness for over three years. But then God met her in her mess, and she gave her life to Christ, and now she has been clean for 20 months and is so excited to get baptized this morning. to invite out at this time Brent. Brent's story is an amazing one that shows us that God never gives up on us. For much of Brent's life, he was filled with pride and judgment of others, and his life was going downhill slowly, falling into alcoholism. And it left him on the verge of divorce. But then some friends invited him to the most excellent way in Salem Heights Church. And as he began to come and listen to the word of God, he heard about a life that was available to him outside of the life he had made on his own. And so he trusted in Christ as his Savior 
that is now sober and learning not only about God's love for him, but how to love others. Brent, I'm so thankful for you. It's awesome to be here today doing this. It's been a while since we first met. Thank you, God. You placed your faith in Christ that he died for all of your sins, was buried, and rose again on that third day. Oh, yes, I do. You know that if you were to leave this earth today, you'd be immediately in the presence of your Savior, Jesus. I can't wait. Yeah. Well, because of your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. these testimonies are amazing of God reaching in to lives that have been lived and now the next few that we have are some of our kids from D6 and so I want to invite out now uh, the Domeyer boys Brady and Ashton and their dad Caleb Ashton said that he started hearing about Jesus at church in school and he decided to follow Jesus and he wants to get baptized to make Jesus happy yeah. Ashton, it's so awesome to be here with you and that you're in my wife's class and said you'd like me to baptize you. It's an awesome privilege for me. I'm thankful for you and for your whole family watching your guys' lives. Okay, so a couple questions. You've placed your faith in Jesus that he died for all of your sins, was buried, and that he rose again on that third day. Is that yeah, right? Yes. Yeah. You know that if you were to leave this earth today, you'd be with Jesus? Yes. All right. So... Because of your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And now his brother's going to get baptized, Brady, and his dad, Caleb's going to baptize him. Brady, too, has heard about Jesus at church and at Canyon View and VBS, and he wanted to follow Jesus so that he have eternal life and live with him forever. How's it going, Brady? Good. So do you believe that Jesus died for all your sins, was buried, and rose again? Yes. And that if you died today, you'd go to heaven with him? Yes. Because of your profession and faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite out now Tyre Sickenator. I get the privilege of baptizing Tyrus today. And he said this, I was a kid doing whatever I wanted. But on May 2nd, 2019, I accepted Jesus as my savior. And now I want to be his disciple and be with him when I die. I'm happy. I have peace. And I want to tell people about Jesus. <laughs> Tyrus, have you believed that Jesus came, he died, was buried, and rose again? Yes. Are you confident that if you were to die and when you die, that you will be with him forever? Yes. That's awesome. 
Well, based on your profession of faith, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have one more this morning. You might recognize this gentleman. Uh, AJ's going to come out and baptize his son, Colby. And I love this part. Colby said, I want to get baptized so that other people will follow Jesus. Well, this is uh, exciting. I mean, I'll tell you what, this is a highlight as a father to be able to do this. This is one of the most astounding things for me to be able to do right now. So, Colby, um, you said here a few weeks ago that you want to be baptized, and you were pretty adamant about it. Um, so, have you believed that Jesus died for your sins, was buried, and then three days later came alive again? Yeah. Do you believe that? And, and if you were to go from here, and, and if you were to even die today, do you believe you'd be in the presence of Jesus and with him in heaven? You do? Okay. Well, because of your profession of faith, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. praying. Father God, we, uh, we just got to witness something that is profound in a season where it feels like everything is uh, in upheaval. You're still at work saving lives, transforming destinies, causing people to follow you in the midst of a real season of mess. We praise you for that. We thank you that we could watch folks uh, who were once lost be found, give their lives to you. And uh, as it was stated just a little bit earlier, there are some who had lived a lot of life before they found you and some who are just beginning, but both are precious. Father, we pray that now as they face these next days, uh, desiring to follow you, that you would strengthen them and that you would give us as their church family a passion to see them live well. Help us to join them in that journey, to walk with them, to pray for them, uh, to remind them that we're thankful for the commitment they made today, but we're eager to watch how they live their life for you tomorrow and the next day, and that after, until we see you face to face. So Father, we pray that you would help us to be energized to live well. Thank you for these moments. Help us now as we read your word uh, to follow. Pray in Christ's name. Amen. 
Well, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 28. It seems like an appropriate passage for this morning. Matthew 28, verse 16. I, uh, in preparing for uh, this message, was reading the lives of some guys that are uh, my heroes and uh, one of them is a guy by the name of Dawson Trotman. If you look at his face, this just looks like uh, in the Billy Graham crusade era, one of the typical guys that you would have had a uh, snapshot of. Dawson Trotman was valedictorian in his high school class. He was a man that was considered to, to be going someplace, but within a year out of high school, uh, he had been caught up drinking uh, began playing cards and pool and became very good at making money off of others and doing those games. Uh, very soon, he was known as a cheat and an alcoholic, having an encounter with a police officer in the middle of a uh, theme park where the officer says, you just show me where your car is and I'll leave you alone. And he literally couldn't find uh, what direction the parking lot was. And a police officer, having compassion on Dawson, said, son, is this really the way you want your life to go. And uh, elicited a promise from him. You go to church, I'll let you uh, go. He took his keys from him, let him walk out of that place. And Dawson kept his commitment. He goes to church. Wasn't a believer, but they were having a Bible memory contest and he didn't want to be the worst one in the room. So he grabbed a Bible and he began to memorize the verses. They had a list of 10 verses, and if you came back next week with those 10 verses memorized, you'd get a prize. He's like, man, I'm going to get that prize. And he came back the next week. Nobody had memorized the verses but him, the unsaved guy in the class. <laughs> Note to self, take it serious. The next week, he memorized another set of verses, but during the course of memorizing those verses, he saw the Romans road. He saw the fact that all those who have called upon the name of Jesus are saved forever. And he stopped partway through and he said, Lord, I haven't done this. I'm not saved. And he bowed and gave his heart to Jesus. He didn't know what to do next, so he just ran out and told somebody. And Dawson Trotman became the head of what is known of uh, today as the Na Navigators. He went, uh, got a job eventually at a gas station that had a little apartment in the back. If he would work all night, they'd let him sleep there. And so uh, as guys would come through, he started having relationships just with different people. And uh, eventually somebody said, hey, I'll read the Bible with you. And he began to share his life with another individual. The guy just happened to be uh, a Navy man. He was a sailor and was on a ship. In fact, he was on a ship called the USS West Virginia. The man's name was uh, Les Spencer. He was considered the second navigator. Les got so transformed by the word, uh, he started sharing his life, and another guy said, hey, I want to follow Jesus. I, I'm watching the changes that are happening in you as you read the Bible and memorize it. Let that happen to me. And so Les grabs him, and he says, come on, I know the guy. And he takes him to Trotman and, and says, uh, hey, he wants you to do in him what you did in me. And he says, no. The Bible says, whatever I have taught to you, you teach to him, you tell him about Jesus. And life to life ministry, the pattern for the navigators, the pattern that we see in our church began right there, uh, the navigator's pattern of life to life evangelism 
started right there. And he last shared with another guy who shared with another. And in a short course, 125 men had given their life to Christ. We're reading the Bible together and just saying, Lord, make me able to follow it. That ship at Pearl Harbor was bombed and sunk. Those men were forced to get on other ships, the ones that had lived through that atrocity. And throughout the Pacific, men began sharing their lives with other people until there were thousands upon thousands of sailors who had given their life to Christ and were following this pattern. At the end of the war, there were so many thousands, they filled up um, college campuses on different bills, you know, where they would help them out with uh, college. There were people that were coming back to their jobs on fire, and 40 different countries got brand new missionaries, all transformed by the reading of the Word. And it started with one audacious idea. If you, being excited about your faith, would just share it with one other person, God could change the world through you, through that kind of belief. It's a radical idea. So effective were the navigators, Trotman's people, that Billy Graham went to him when he saw that after thousands of people would give their life to Christ, not much change had happened. He said, how do I help them grow? They came to Trotman, and he showed them a way to work with those that were evangelized. Bill Bright didn't have a relationship with Christ. He came and was able to stay at Trotman's house. He eventually finds Christ, comes back to him and said, hey, I just started telling people on a campus about Jesus and all these people are sold out, what do I do? He came to Trotman and he was able to share with him the same plan every single generation. You just tell them what's in the Bible, help them to read it, God will do the rest. Do you believe that God cares about people? Do you believe he's given you all the tools you need to be able to help a life find wholeness and peace right here in the word? That's what we want to talk about this morning. Our our vision at Salem Heights is not that you would bring somebody else to a program, but that you would get so stirred in your life, in your personal walk with Jesus, that you would want to share that life, that transformation that has happened inside of you, that you'd want to share that with somebody else. We find the commission for this in Matthew 28. Let's uh, stand as we read Matthew 28, verses 16 through the end of the chapter. Jesus has died, he's been buried, he rose again on the third day. He's lived his perfect life in front of his disciples, and now this is his final statement to them in the book of Matthew. And it says, the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Do you believe Jesus said that? He did. You may be seated. What I'd like to do in just a few short minutes is I'd like us to walk through this passage Consider some applications to our own life, but I want you in this process to consider one of two things. Either one, you have not given your life to Christ, and the starting point for you today is you need to submit to Jesus. Give your life to him. The Bible says that Christ died, was buried, and rose again on the third day, and all that you need to do in order to take on that life, in order to respond to Jesus' free offer of salvation, is believe. 
You put your faith in him, he does the rest. But the other group I'm speaking to are believers that are sitting here, and you're wondering, what can I do in this season that's so chaotic? What can I do to make a difference? This is what you can do. Literally, imagine what it would be like if our entire nation was filled with a a, a growing sense of peace, that no matter what happens tomorrow, they were safe and in good hands. That the king of the universe and the God of all creation was on their side. How would it change the way that we talk? How would it change the way that we interact? What would it change? How would it change the hope and the, the peace that we have in our families and in our jobs? I want you to consider what it is that you should do. Let's just walk through this passage. It says that the 11 disciples are gathered there to a mountain where Jesus had directed them. We know from other gospels that Jesus had already, uh, during a course of 40 days, met with some of his men and told them, hey, I'm gonna have a big send-off. Paul indicates that there's possibly more than 500 people at this gathering. They saw the disciples going someplace. They'd heard that Jesus was alive and they all come running to the same place. It's also intriguing to me that seeing Jesus, there were still some that doubted. Some of you are afraid, well, if I have doubts, does that mean that I'm just not a believer? Doubt is a natural part of the human condition. Do you know that? This morning, we worshiped and some doubted. Do you know that? In this room. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands if you're in the midst of doubt. That's a reality. The gospel writers are just being honest. It says, and Jesus came near and he said to them, all authority has been given me in heaven and on earth. All authority. Let's just look at that phrase first. Jesus is telling them at this moment that this season where I've subjected myself to man, where I'm under other people's authority, where I yield to whoever is in control so that I am forced to go to the cross, that Philippians 2 beautiful picture where he subjected himself to mankind. He has conquered and has all authority. It's not that it's been given to him in the sense that he was never God and all of a sudden he became God. He was always God who in submission showed us how we should live while we're here on this earth. But he said that season of submission Uh, is over, I am the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You can trust whatever I do, I will be with you. All authority has been given to me. That season of emptying is over. But he says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples. It's been well said, and if you've been in church for a long time, you'll uh, have heard this before, but the emphasis in this passage is not on go. If I were to tell you today, I want you to go from this church, how many of you would struggle to follow through, right? By noon, okay, as soon as you got hungry, you'd all go naturally, They're going to be up on this mountain, and Jesus already knows that he's going to lift up in front of them. There's going to be a supernatural exit that happens, and Jesus, going up into heaven, is going to leave them standing there with their mouth agape, and what do we do next? The literal phrasing of this would be, as you go from here, what do I do next? What's the next natural step? He says, make disciples. And the emphasis also is not on the word make. Some people have said just grab people by the shoulders or force them through some outside means. That's not the emphasis. The emphasis is on discipleship. 
as you go about your daily life and you're going to invest in something, invest in people. The word disciples here is lifelong learners. People who for the rest of their life will learn what it means to look like Jesus, to sound like Jesus, to act like Jesus. Go and be a part of that. Go raise up a generation of people who are filled with a sense of urgency that everyone needs to know Jesus and that the only peace that can be offered in life comes through him. It's the central command. He says, as you are going, let your life be focused on influencing others to love Jesus. Is that your emphasis? He then says two things. He says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. Baptizing them uh, in that day, that word baptize was not just that you would immerse them completely in water, which is what we saw here today, but baptism was also a form of identifying with Jesus. When you got baptized, Into Jesus, you were declaring, I am trusting him and following him with my entire life. It was a picture of dying to yourself and raising again to brand new life. The the term baptized before that was also used in the Old Testament of a moment of decision where the waters parted and everyone decided at that moment, am I with Moses and God or am I staying here to find out what the Egyptians are going to do? And going through the water was a declaration, I'm with God. I'm going to follow what Moses says. This is a declaration when you get baptized that you are with Jesus. I'm going to do what he says. I'm going to look and sound like him. I'm going to follow him no matter what the cost. This is ultimately a picture of identity. Now, I just want you to wrap your minds around this. Some are frustrated in this day and age that people don't understand Morality. You're frustrated in this day and age that people will not listen to good biblical reasoning. You're concerned that even as a nation, we might be losing our way. Anybody heard that kind of talk? But you're asking people who have never identified with Jesus to act like Jesus. Who are they going to act like? They're going to act like whoever they're following. Some of us are not acting like Jesus. Some of us are acting like who we're actually following. He says, you are baptized. You identify with him. You speak to those people. Anything that you say to a person who is yet to be baptized and identify with Jesus, anything that you say to them is considered evangelism. You're to speak to them gently. You're to proclaim your hope. You're to show them the peace of a transformed life. But you are not expected to look at them and and force them to understand your reasoning, okay? We can't. The man without the Spirit of God can't understand the things of the Spirit of God. We're to treat them with grace. Baptizing them. Before you teach them, they must identify with him, with Jesus. But then it says, after they've been baptized, it says teaching them to observe what? Notice in your Bibles. Everything that I have commanded you. How many in here, just to show hands really quickly, have nailed it? You have followed every single thing that Jesus has commanded. All right? 
Here's an important word, and I want you to underline it in your Bible. Observe does not mean learn. Observe does not mean study. Observe means to follow with your actions, to know how it is to apply that teaching and thinking to my life. There is something that a few of you may be aware of that I really enjoy. It's fishing. There's actually a lure right here, a panther martin. I'm going to give this to somebody who hasn't fished before and really wants to catch something. I've caught bass with this. I've caught multiple kinds of trout with this, lake trout, river trout, rainbow trout, brook trout. I've landed steelhead on this lure. Not this one in particular. It's new for you. The one that actually catches them is in my box. Caught silver salmon. This one lure is effective. Do you want it? But if you haven't fished before, who, who here just hasn't, hasn't fished before? Tori, you haven't? I saw your hand first. You fished before, but you haven't caught anything? We can also work on that. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to describe something to you really quickly, and this is what I want, Tori. This is specifically for you, okay? So there is actually a type of line called trilene line. And there's a particular knot called the trilene knot. And what you actually do is you take that line and you run it through the eye of the hook, and then you wad that line up, you wrap it around itself eight times and slip it back through near the eye of the hook, and you tie it down tight, and then the knot that you've tied from the line and your rod to the fish and the lure is almost 100% strength. Now, with that description, do you feel like you could do it? <laughs> Let me give you something right now, folks. In a class, coming to a church week after week, I could tell her about the difference between monofilament and fluorocarbon. I could tell her about the knot strength and slippage and the amount of stretch that happens with mono. I could wax eloquent about the things that go into this. I could tell you why they chose the name Trilene. I could go into all kinds. I could even use Greek when it comes to fishing. <laughs> but let me show you something that's important. Uh, uh, Tori, come up here really quick. Uh, we'll take off, with you off camera. You, uh, you guys can go dark here for a moment. Let me just show you this really quickly, all right? You see this line right here? This is the eye of the hook. And you put that through there. Let me just show you. You spin that like that and put this back through that little hole right there. And if you pull that down tight, you've got it. Okay? okay. Do you want to try it yourself? No. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to this morning, but let me tell you this. Here's your line right here. Let me give you this lure. I'm going to ask you afterwards how to do this with nobody else watching, but I'm gonna show you how to do that, okay? You can sit down. Thank you. Let's give her a hand. Why do I take time to show you guys that? Life-to-life -life transformation does not happen in a classroom. Some of us have been saying you need to give me more rules. Some people have been saying, you need to give me more Bible verses. Some of them have been saying, well, I just need to find some deeper study of the Word of God. Do you want to know what we really need? We need to walk with somebody else who is also walking with Jesus, and we need to live it out in our daily lives. Amen? That's what it says. 
teaching them to observe. And what is the goal? I want you to see what it says here. As you are going, as you all are going, you individually are called to share Jesus. You're not all called to mass evangelism, but every single person is called to share their life. Uh, Do you know that you already are sharing your life? Every single one of you are already sharing your life, your goals, your values. As soon as you have a friend and you begin to do life with them, you're already sharing your life. Is your life impacting them for Jesus? That's the question. The goal is that every single person, that everyone would reach someone who would join them in following the Holy One. That's right. That should get a cheer. (laughs) Here's what I want you to hear. If you had a penny right now, I'd make you an offer. Would you rather, uh, I can't actually offer you this, but I'm going to ask you to do a a thought experiment. If you had a penny in your pocket, most people can find a penny. I I could make you an offer. Would you rather have a million dollars today or have that penny doubled every day for a month? Million dollars right now. You can walk away. We'd pay all the taxes on it, or would you rather have your penny doubled every day? If you just take a look at a graphic, look at this. Day one, if you took your penny and you were able to double it, you'd have two cents, then four cents, then eight cents, then 16 cents. It doesn't seem like that much at the end of the first week until you get to the end of 30 days. At the end of 30 days, you'd have $10,737,418.24. If each one of us were to reach one person in the next five years, you just shared your life, and they, somebody who was far from Jesus or lost were to come to Christ, we couldn't contain the amount of people that would be transformed. You couldn't contain them. And you want to know what the difference is when you share your life with somebody else rather than waiting for the church to do some evangelism event? The difference is that when you share your life with somebody, you come to me during the course of the week and you say, Pastor, what are you preaching on this week? Is it going to be lame? Is there anything interesting going on? Hey, which entrance are these certain people going to be at so I can put them at the place where somebody that's smiling will greet them? Why do you say stuff like that? I get that kind of statement all the time, and I'm excited about it. Uh, actually, I was told at the very beginning of this service that if, uh, if you're sleeping, you can take your mask off. And they said most people should be fine by the end of this service. That's what somebody told me. I'm used to that. Why would you even care? Here's why you care. Because once you know that that life matters, you begin to walk through life and you take care of them like they're family rather than they're some project somebody else has. People are not projects. Will you just say that with me really quick? People are not projects. They matter. And Jesus says that you matter. We're to share our life with them. Now I'm out of time. Let me just give you some objections. Objection number one, I'm not good at sales. Okay? Isn't evangelism a calling? Hey, nobody is really good at sales. When's the last time you answered that might be a scammer when it says on your phone and you just said, man, I've been waiting to talk to you. (laughs) Anyone? No, you're not. uh, Sales is about the person on the line enriching themselves. Evangelism is about you just telling somebody else who's starving, hey, there's a place that has food for free right over there. 
You're enriching them. No benefit to yourself other than the fact that you got blessed and you want them to be blessed. So what if you don't have the gift of evangelism? If there's an emergency in the room right now, if there was by, by some horrible situation, something were to happen here that were tragic and, and there were mass casualties, do you want to know what the expectation would be? Every single one of us at that moment would administer as much first aid as we knew. If there were people in crisis, you would not, it would be silly to run away from people who were hurting. You would run towards them and want to help them. But there's only a few in the auditorium that are ER docs. There's only a few with expertise. And we would say, hey, will you come and help with this large group that needs more attention? Scripture doesn't expect you to specialize in evangelism. He's given that gift to a few special people to stir the church. But he does ask you to share your life. Isn't it arrogant or even unkind to proclaim Jesus as the answer? That's another objection. Can I ask you this? Every single person in here has been touched by disease. If I could offer you something that just by being near its proximity would set you free from disease. If I found that magic elixir, and by the way, I asked at LifeSource, they don't have it. If I were to give you a magic elixir that actually gives you life, wouldn't it be selfish for me to hang on to it? And secondly, if I were to offer that to somebody say, man, you're sick, I've got the thing that's just for you. You could say I was right or you could say I was wrong, but you wouldn't say I was arrogant or unkind. That would just be thoughtful, wouldn't it? I know this will heal you. If you were transformed and you're offering that to somebody else, you're offering them something that gives them life. It's a blessing. In fact, if you take a look at how we see ourselves in the light of Scripture, we're all just broken people. What Jesus did on the cross was a, a supernatural moment. He did something only God can do. He died for our sins. He took them all on, was buried, and rose again on the third day to set us free. And, and you know, when a president has a bill that he wants to sign into uh, make it the law of the land, he puts on either side of him a representative of the kind of people that that bill will actually impact. You have the Brady Bill, which, uh, love it or hate it, you have this situation there where, that had been harmful to a man who was shot, and as that bill is being signed, multiple pens are being used to sign that bill into law. And then those pens are handed to those people and everyone can see the kind of people that will be blessed by that president's decision. Well, when Jesus was on the cross, on the right and the left of him are the kind of people who benefit. Completely broken sinners who deserve to die for their sin. And Jesus, just sat on the cross, sees one of those men turn to him and say, remember me today. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. It's not arrogant. It's an act of grace to share. Well, isn't it better just to live my faith than to share it? I've heard that. Do you know that all the way through the scriptures, Jesus doesn't make that distinction? He doesn't give us permission to say you live it without talking about it. All right? Try that at your job. Isn't it better just to live my job than to actually do it? There's no other place where we apply that kind of logic. The key question this morning is what would Jesus have you do? 
Listen to what he says at the very end. He says, and behold, remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's an interesting construction, that final sentence. We've summed it up with I am with you always. But actually, if you were just to kind of list it out almost literally, it says, and Jesus said with you, I am every day, all of the day with you until the end of days. Do you know that he's been with you this last two years, every single day, all day long with you, giving you power, the ability to follow through, to know what to do. He's been available to you to give you peace, to give your mouth the right things to say, the ability to act right. He says, I've been right here the entire time. Every day I haven't stepped away. He says, remember this. Why does he say remember this? Because this is something we are prone to forget. I'm with you every day till the end of days. Um, my wife has family in the uh, Antelope Valley. And in the Antelope Valley, typically it looks like this. You have a uh, desert. That's a pretty beautiful place, right? That's what, uh, according to some scientists, that's what Salem's going to look like in a few years. Desert. Barren, the only places that are green are where man is just using their wells 24-7 to water it. But a short while ago, something happened. There was a rainy season, an extended rainy season, and the entire desert transformed into flowers. It was gorgeous. Now, the question that has to be in your mind is, how can I make the desert look like that? It was literally just watering the seeds that were already there laying dormant in that area. This is God's design, by the way. This is a beautiful picture, isn't it? Water in the desert. So how is it that you cause flowers to come in the desert? I shared this at the gathering a few years ago. It's where every single person, there's two different ways to cause flowers in the desert. One, every single one of us could take our little cup of water and water the area that's near us right? And each one of us calling our neighbor to do the same, calling that neighbor to do the same, we can water the desert hand by hand, one little piece at a time. And you can bring beauty one person at a time. But the other way is for God to send revival. Do you know that God can actually cause the entire city of Salem to come to know him in one day? Cause those flowers to pop? Now, this is what I am asking you to consider. Jesus is saying, until you see flowers in the desert that just come by my hand, I'm asking you every single day, share that cup of water. Go one person to another and impact the world that's around you. As you are going, make disciples who will make disciples and bring flowers. That's what he's asking us to do. The question this morning is how will you respond? As we wrap up this service, I, I want you to consider one of two things. You, you might be here today and you don't know Jesus. I'm going to stay up here at the end of the service, and if you haven't given your life to Christ, I'd love to pray with you. You can know today that you're saved. But some of you have been believers, and you're just caught up in all of the mess and all of the noise and live in the wrong direction, and you say, man, I, I need to pray that I'll live this way. I'd love to pray with you as well, that you would share your life with just one more person. If each one of us did that, the impact in our city would be dramatic. Amen? Let it be so. Let's pray.
Father, we ask that you would help us to worship you by living for you. Help us all of our days to live for you in in such a profound way that others are called into fellowship with you. They give their lives to you, that they are saved and live and look like it. Father, help that to start with our own hearts. We do pray that you would use us to see a generation come to Christ. Father, we're asking that you would start with just us, our church, one at a time, being faithful to this call. Help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. I thought it would be appropriate to end with these words. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever breathe. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. In holy, there is no one like. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation, and I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not be shaken. And I I surrender all to 
like to pray. Yeah. Amen. What a service we've had today. Yeah, you're welcome to come forward and pray. Several of us will be up here. Thanks so much for being here. The rest of you are dismissed. Go and live for him this week.
Surely mercy, and right beside. 